Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm not targeting. You're targeting. We're in episode six. Tom, my good friend, how was your weekend? It was wonderful. It was a wonderful weekend. Um, I had to sweat out Sunday. I was thinking that was yesterday, but this is Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, I had uh, I had New Orleans in my survivor, my NFL survivor pool. Uh a little, a little on edge there, uh, but I survived week one. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I did that one year. You know, you sent me the email, and I told you, man, I hate pro. Is all I can do to manage to muster up the uh, the courage to play fantasy football. So, but I did the eliminator one year, and I took the prohibitive favorite the first week, and I got bounced. I'm like, never again. I mean, it's so unpredictable. I don't know how people make it. Past, uh, you know, uh, Eli, you know, you know, Tooley, his brother-in-law did one one year and made it like it was one of those weekends where like everybody went out and he made it through, and it was for big. You know, these NFLs are for big money, they and are. he his name is Bert, and he's like, man, Bert got stressed, like <laughs> it affected his. I don't think he was working at the time. I think he was playing <laughs> DraftKings for uh, for money. It's a true story, <laughs> but anyway. He, he was very stressed out because it is it's it's tough. Every week is tough because, I mean, you've got you've got New England going to Miami this week, and I think it's a fourteen point line. And yeah, New England should 18. easily win, but my gosh, it might be. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it would not be out of the realm of possibility that Miami squeaks one. You know, thirty one to thirty or whatever. So, and I'm yeah, I'm maybe. gonna say that a lot of people are on New England this weekend. Yeah, there, there's a lot of. Uh... <clears throat> Well, there's not a lot of really big lines that like that. But, you know, in the NFL, if you get a 7 to 10 point, 12 point line, that's huge, you know. Yeah, that's like you, a huge you gotta go favorite. With it. Yeah, but in college, you if if Bama rolls into a game as a 7 point favorite, well, we are sweating that game. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> no one can go either way. Take the other side. That's especially right. <laughs> if it's LSU, if especially if it's LSU, which is my pick to win the West. Well, enough. Uh, I actually, you didn't ask my weekend. I'm on T anyway. We went to a group of guys, went to Tunica, and we will have a little bit more on that later. But we are already two and a half minutes in talking freaking NFL, which I despise. So let's start with the college. Right. But first off, I think you have the word of the day. Oh, I've been looking forward to the word of the day. Today's word is defenestration. Defenestration. You ever heard of it? I know what that word. I know what that word means. Well, lay it on me. Defenestration is when you. It's when you break out the windows of a building, correct? Like the defenestration of Prague. 
very very close that is exact that it you you're all over its uh origins of history it's the action of throwing someone out the window <laughs> just they have a word for it it's awesome <laughs> so uh yes back in the day it was uh i wasn't even prepared to do the history lesson on it but back in the day it was some uh, uh you know people had gotten thrown out of a window at, somewhere over the pond and and it started a a, a big time war and and so the it, the term got caught on of uh defenestration is the action of throwing someone out the window it's an awesome word i mean dude mad mad respect because defenestration is much easier to say than i'm about to throw your ass out the window bub exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> We did the we did the winners and losers last week. We're gonna do the same thing this week, and basically our two winners are gonna be our our two featured games last week. And of course, that's gonna be the Clemson A and M game, which Clemson won, and then the Texas LSU game, which of course LSU won. So, Tom, in my notes, I have Clemson first, and I've got you leading. So go ahead, and I will provide the retort. Already to the notes, Clemson. Well. This game was never in doubt, and the game was really woefully unrepresentative by the final score. I mean, just under six minutes to play in that game, A&M had three points, 13 first downs, and 198 yards of total offense. And Clemson was up 24-3, to I believe it was. Uh, Clemson basically got into their little – prevent defense if you want to call it that just kept the ball in front of them and uh a&m ticked off what 91 yards i think on the last drive to make it a 14 point game to make it look like it was competitive but that game was nowhere near and a cover at the back door cover you're exactly right uh, i mean a&m did a you know, they came into the game going, hey, we're going to load the box. We're not going to let ETN beat us. And they did a good job of that. ETN didn't beat them. But Lawrence just flipped the script on them. And he didn't have a spectacular week. But, you know, he he put drives together. And that's what you do as a good team. You know, when mm-hmm. it's hard to score on teams, you have to string plays together. Everybody can go out there and, and tick off a 25, 30 – yard play once in a while but if you if you can't put together plays strain together drives and and make a concerted effort to get into the end zone you're going to struggle with the really good teams and and clemson they really only had four four long drives but they got their 24 points and Mm -hmm. you know when we when we previewed this game last week we both were on the same page and we said that you know to beat Clemson, you're going to have to great, have great quarterback play, and we didn't think Mon could do it, and we were spot on there. I mean, he mm-hmm. he looked out of sorts all game. Until that last garbage drive that I just mentioned, he'd thrown for 164, 164 yards and was 24-42 overall passing in the game. Uh, you know, Clemson's defense probably had a lot to do with that, obviously, but – if you're a and I don't think you can expect to be a contender with him under center. And, and on top of it, they only rushed for 53 yards. They couldn't throw it. They couldn't run it. Basically, they're running out of fundamentals they're not any good at. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on, I, I feel like I do the same thing every week, so we're going to switch it up a little bit. Like you had all the, the cool quotes that I had to guess, uh, what, four or five weeks back. Oh, my. We're going to play – we're going to play devil's advocate with this game. All right, so point number one in my notes. Clemson beat the number 12 team in the country by double digits. That is a fact. Devil's advocate, Clemson beat the number three or the number four team in the SEC West. And I'll go as far to say maybe the, the number five team. Mississippi State has really impressed me. You know, I've got them under seven and a half in Vegas for big money, big money. And while they have not really beaten anybody yet, I did not think they would cover Southern Miss. (laughs) I thought, you know, Southern Miss is normally that team that Mississippi State beat 17 to to 12, some goofy score. And they handled their business with them, so I was pretty impressed with that. So, you know, yeah, Clemson beat the number 12 team, what was the number 12 team in the country, but how good 
is the number 12 team. If you put Texas A&M in the Big 12, you know, how, out of that number 12 ranking, how much of that is due to being in the SEC West? That's something we can't really answer right now. But I think Bama beats Clemson. I mean, I'm sorry. I think Bama beats A&M. I think LSU beats A&M. Auburn will be right now a coin flip, and then Mississippi State will have a shot. I'm not sure where that game is played. All right, point two. Clemson played their C-minus game and won by 14. I saw that tweeted out on the Twitter. And Devil's Advocate, A&M played their C or D game and only lost by 14 on the road at the number one team in the country. Now, I, I do agree with what you said. You, you made valid points on – I'm sure Clemson was just ready to milk the clock – Let's get to the locker room as healthy as we can for for week number. Uh, what are we going to be week number three coming up? So that did have something to do with them scoring their touchdown. But if you remember, mind all day long, he was higher than Cheech and Chong on his passes, dude. They, the receivers never could catch one without having to jump and then land and then make a move. And as we know, Clemson has as good athletes as a. They're top five athletically in the country. So when you jump to catch a ball, the DBs, the safeties, they're on you. You're not going to be able to, to get many yards. So in my opinion, you know, A&M did not play their their A or B game at all. And they did throw a pick on the goal line. So there was some points in, in crunch time. There was some possibility of points. Granted, I think the, the pick was probably on third down and long. But point point remains. All right, point number three, Trevor Lawrence was off all day, and Clemson, Clemson still had their way with A&M, and that is a fact. But I tell, you what, I tell you who was not off all day, their receivers are crazy good. Now, I would not trade their receivers for Bama's receivers, but T. Higgins, Justin Ross, they bailed him out of a couple of passes, and so they were not off. And that devil's advocate on that one, Mon was high on most of his passes, yet still hung in there until late in the second half. I guess I just reiterated point number two there. Should have should have done a better job of studying my notes. So, I guess in summation, Clemson definitely deserves to be the number one team in the country. I mean, they they are getting to where – and I told a guy this at the airport when they uh, smashed us last year in California – I said, you know, y'all, y'all are going to get the Bama treatment. You're going to, you know, coming into 2019, all you, gotta, all you gotta have, all you have to do is go 11 and one or 12 and one. 11 and one, of course, if they miss the ACC championship game. But, you know, I mean, I, I think Bama. I think all we have to do this year is go 12 and one. We can lose at Auburn and then beat Georgia. We can run the table and go 12 and 0. Then we lose to Georgia. We're in. We're in the playoffs. Our track record is too strong. And Clemson's track record is too strong. And I think they're – I bet their fan base is pissed right now that they beat A&M by 14, which you think the Tommy Bowden years, they would be elated to win that game by 14. So, uh, that's yeah. where we're at. But Clemson, definitely a big winner on the weekend. What would you have done if I had come in there and, and, and made the case for them being poor uh, – and and A and M hanging with them. Where was your little devil's advocate uh, angle then? The notes don't change, my friend. They're typed out in black <laughs> ink. <laughs> we would just have to agree to agree. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's roll to the second our second big winner, and that was LSU. Uh, over Texas, and they were they were impressive. Although at the time of the game, I was uh, – you know, we had had a, a couple of Frosties uh, between the hours of 10.30 and kickoff. So What? Uh, yeah, we were watching the game in passing. But I'll I tell you what, the, I don't think you've been yet. The Tunica Sportsbook is called Moneyline. Man, it is very, very nice. It is – it's Vegas quality. Now, I'm not going to – it's not up there with Legacy Stadium where Tom and I watch the, uh, the, what, the New England and Atlanta Super Bowl. But Humble it's better Brian. than – yeah, it's better than the sports book the Paris has. I mean, it, you know, it it's very nice. And um but Burrow, you know, would the the big question this year was was would LSU finally cut Ensminger loose and run a an offense that resembles something post 1995 and they are and Burrow looks pretty darn good and should that shock anybody? We've talked on this podcast before about Urban Meyer's ability to evaluate quarterback prospects from Tim Tebow to Cam Newton to 12-gauge, the guy that beat Bama down in the, the Sugar Bowl, J.T. Barrett. 
Dwayne Haskins, I mean, Burrow was at, at Ohio State, and he has been very good this year. LSU, very good running game. That's no shocker. Uh, still won't, I, but I'm I'm kind of in the I need to see you do this against an uh, above average SEC defense because let's face it, the Big Twelve they're good on offense, but when is the last time a Big Twelve team has beat a top tier SEC team in a game that mattered? I, I mean, I really can't think of one. I know the I know the the non SEC fans get tired of us talking about well you know Bama didn't care to be there Auburn didn't care to be there or Georgia last year didn't care to be there, but I mean it's the truth, you know I, I forgot Auburn played in the Sugar Bowl and after the 2015 season they were eight and four and played in the Sugar Bowl. How did they manage a New Year's Six Bowl? I'll never know, but you know you Oklahoma make, beat them pretty handily. But yeah, you, you raise a good point that we're only. Uh, we're only um, interested in the games we win. If if we lose, we 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 definitely weren't interested in being there. Well, you know. <laughs> all right, let me finish then. Let me, let me finish. Since Oklahoma, <clears throat> since Oklahoma beat Auburn, Oklahoma has played Georgia in a meaningful game and got beat with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Oklahoma the next year played, and I heck, I, you know what? I think the year before that they uh, they. They also have played Clemson and got beat in a meaningful playoff game. And they played Bama last year with Kyler Murray and got beat in a meaningful playoff game. So my, my point is, and, and hey, wow, guess what? Week two, pretty damn meaningful game, and LSU beat them. So uh, I, I still want to see LSU do it, but my pick of them to win the West uh, looks a lot better after after last Saturday night. And uh, how about the DBU shirts from Texas 3? Three uh, LSU receivers had over 100 yards. Hey, way to back up that smack talk, bro. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, I, you know, obviously I was just yanking your chain there about that. But, you know, the the point is taken, and this is honestly, it's true for, from anybody. Now, don't get me wrong. We're, we as the SEC or, or Bama or whoever, oh, yeah, we're going to beat our chest and, and take credit for every win we get, even if it's in the Liberty Bowl. But the reality of it is, is I think that could be for particularly really good teams, you know, really good teams, teams, blue bloods, teams at top of the conferences. If they're in a a, a non-playoff bowl or a non-good bowl, chances are they're having fun and not necessarily worried about, you know, winning the finale and that sort of thing. Where you really see it is in the playoffs. There, There's no dispute there. And in the regular season, that's why I like the cross-rivals, you know, get out there and play more Power 5 conferences. I mean, because those games matter for sure, and I'd love to see them. But but get get back to LSU. I'm digressing here. You know, last week I made the point that you could only tell which teams were bad early in the seasons and, and not necessarily which ones were good. I'll agree that LSU showed us some offense we haven't seen from them in a long time. However, don't stick me on the Ogeron tulip truck just yet. Um, we might look back at this game. Well, well, let me ask you this. Will we look back at this game the same way if Texas has five losses on the season? No, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, I heard somebody on the Sunday morning college football wrap-up show declaring they might vote LSU number one and number two in this week's poll. I mean, come on. Single game overreaction, I mean, at its finest mm-hmm. there. I mean, we all know, uh, we all know what was good that's making people swoon over LSU. But let's let's take a step back and let's explore the reasons why they, you know, might need to pump the proverbial brakes here. LSU gave up 530 total yards of offense. That may be typical for a Big 12 game, but you still have to come home and field that defense locally, boys. In the second half, mm-hmm. Texas drives consisted of. 19 plays, 86 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Ten plays, 46 yards, field goal. And eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. I hadn't seen scoring like that since my nightmares of Trevor Lawrence in last year's title game. I mean, it looked like someone put a banana in Ogeron's pants and turned a monkey loose. That defense was battered. The last team in the SEC who tried to win games without defense ended up on probation. Their coach had hookers on speed dial. I have no idea if those are related, though. 
So that's that's my spill on LSU. <laughs> I have one more thing in my notes, and I can't believe I left this out. Texas was all hat and no cattle. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Very let's nice. move on to the losers. And I am leading with uh, this week with the losers because I let you lead last week, and it, it about killed me to do it. But I'm not, not. I'm like, nope. Tom is the elder statesman. He deserves to lead. But I'm leading this year. I mean, this week with Tennessee. Can you believe it? With forty-seven, <laughs> with forty seconds left. I just said forty seconds. I don't know. It's forty. It was well under a minute left. And BYU at the inside the tw- their own twenty-five. Tennessee, according to the ESPN, FPI, or whatever, they had a 99.4% chance to win and lost. And I tell you what, I took it on the chin. Tennessee, as we know last week, that was my big bet. You know, I had them at minus three. Then you swooped in and took them from me. So I went with LSU, which, by the way, covered. But I, at Tunica, I had Tennessee on the money line. And I had my ticket in my right hand, ready to go cash it in. I'm like, nope, calm down. We've, we've, you know, let's make sure the clock hits triple zeros. And sure enough, you know, it was un, it was unreal. But it just it sums up what Tennessee is right now, which makes me very happy, uh, hating Phil Fulmer. But Garantano, the quarterback, he's 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 no good, man. He I listened to McElroy yesterday morning. And I trust his judgment on quarterbacks since he played it at the college and NFL levels at different points. You know, he said that Guarantano is two to three clicks late. Like, you know, he he'll he'll hitch on that first route, and you know, kind of I guess in my in my mind, like you know, he shifts his feet. You know, Peyton Manning used to get happy feet. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of he shifts his feet to where okay, I'm going to throw it or I'm not. Well, then instead of Shifting his feet, not throwing it, moving to the next receiver. He shifts his feet, shifts his feet, shifts his feet, then moves to the next receiver. It's too late. I mean, either either the guy that the secondary or thirdary guy that was open is now covered, or the blitz gets you. So he is he's not playing well at all. And it's just it just seems to be no fire in anyone's belly. I mean, last week they had to release two players after a a a, tw- a guy tweeted something out he shouldn't have tweeted out. <laughs> and uh, that made fun. Well, I think we talked about that last week. And then another player, I didn't even – neither one of them were starters. But still, I think Philip Fulmer is sharpening his knife he used on Johnny Majors. Here's the way the season's going to play out. Tennessee, they should beat Chattanooga this week. And then their next four games are Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Bama. I mean, he is that is one and three at best. And I think he has to go one and three to keep his job at the end of the year. If he can beat Mississippi State, I believe he keeps his job. But if he if he goes 0 and 4, Fulmer, his ego, he will not allow him to take over before Bama. He he will not take another loss to Bama. But if that if if it unfolds like we're thinking and Tennessee starts one and six, Fulmer fires him and then Fulmer swoops in and gets to play South Carolina, Kentucky, UAB, Vandy, and Missouri. He goes four in one of those games, and he does a nationwide search for the next head coach, Tennessee. And damn it, you would not believe it, the right guy was in Knoxville the whole time is Philip Fulmer. <laughs> I say full, I say JP out after the Bama game. Fulmer in his interim. Fulmer announced as official coach ACC uh, championship weekend. What you That's got? A fine theory. That's a fine theory, sir. You know, <clears throat> good teams find ways to win. Every everybody knows that saying, but it's also true for bad teams. You know, uh, they find ways to lose, just like Tennessee did Saturday. This will mark the beginning of a lot of things, or the beginning of the end for a lot of things in Knoxville. Uh, and you mentioned a lot of it, and I'm not sure how it's going to go down, but I'm definitely grabbing the popcorn because there's there's no telling where this saga will go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who else may be popcorn worthy this year, though? Who's that? Harbaugh in Michigan. I don't I, disagree. Yeah, I had predicted Michigan to have at least two losses, but also to win the Big Ten. And all that's still technically possible, but, I mean, they're a mess right now. Army had 20% of their passes intercepted in this game, one out of five, uh, and managed <laughs> only 243 yards of offense and missed a field goal at the end of regulation to win it. I mean, 
That in itself is surprising as Army typically is stacked with All-American kickers, but that's another story. (laughs) I mean, Michigan's offense is offensive. Against that vaunted Army D, they rolled up 340 yards, including a staggering 2.4 yards per rushing attempt. In week one, by comparison, Rice... That's right, not the food, the college. Rice rushed for 181 yards against Army in a 14-7 loss. Oh, yeah, the Rice defense also held Army to 14. Michigan never led in this game until the second overtime. In my eyes, they have the same holes they've had the past couple of years. I mean, am I wrong about them? Is this overreaction, single-game overreaction by me as well? Man, I, I don't think so. And – I know the the playing devil's advocate again, even though I don't have that written down in my notes to do. Uh, you know, people are saying, well, remember now, Army took Oklahoma last year to overtime, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fine. but th- And that was very unexpected. But if you're Michigan and you had the expectations you have this year, how do you not as, – as a – not forget the coaches – as a junior or senior leader on that team, how do you not get your teammates' attention and say, guys, they took the Heisman Trophy winner and a playoff uh, participant last year to overtime. That can't be us. Like, we're at home. The media has built this game up for eight months about, you know, this could be – this is a tricky game, trap game for Michigan. And what happens? I mean, it turns out to be a trap game. So, I, I just am not buying that Michigan is a very good team, not to the level – I think they're top – 15, top 20, top 15, possibly top 10, but they didn't show top 10 this weekend. And oh my gosh, dude, this this was the year that they're you know they're going to beat Ohio State. Mino Urban Meyer is gone. Babyface Jason Day or whatever his name, Ryan Day is in. And if you had to bet that game right now, you you had to put your house on it. All you got to do is pick the winner. Who are you taking? I'm not taking Michigan. No sir. So I I they. And, again, this is under our loser category. Michigan won, but and you're the one that, that, that said we need to include Michigan, and I agree with you. They're a loser in this, in this segment because they, what should have been 11-1, and beat Ohio State, represent the, uh, the, the legions or the, the lead, lead, legion, <laughs> legions, leaders or legends that. division. Now they are looking at – can we beat Indiana? Can we beat – I don't know who, know who else they play. Wisconsin, they all get jumbled up. Wisconsin but bottom line good. is, yeah, they do. They are, you know, they're they're going to be – they don't want to admit it, but they've got Ohio State circled this year, and they cannot like their chances of winning that. So we've got Michigan in the losers segment, even though they won the game. The, uh, the last loser we had also won the game, but I think most listeners will agree, Florida State. Oh, my gosh. So, I didn't watch any of that game. They didn't have it on, and it went to, it went to overtime, and Louisiana Monroe lost by one. And I'm like, okay, well, smart play by Louisiana Monroe. They, uh, you know, they went for two on the road. My dad always said, you know, when you're on the road and you're an underdog and you go to overtime, you go for the win. You know, you don't kick the extra point. You go for two. So I figured that's what they did. I read the write-up. They missed a damn extra point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they could have easily gone into easily gone into over, uh, double overtime. But Florida State, 24-7 lead at half. They cannot close the game. Gave up 31 in the last two quarters. They, the talent is there. They have no leadership. And I, it starts with the head coach. And like we said last week, Taggart is dead men walking, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, by virtue of Wake Forest dominating win over Rice and Georgia Tech getting a victory over South Florida, I'm here to declare that Freeshies University is the worst team in the SEC. I don't think that's much of a stretch. As a matter of fact, it is so declared. Let's go on to week three. <laughs> All right, week three. We've got uh, two games going to look at this week. Very, very weak slate. Uh, I know Saturdays are for the boys, but I'm actually thinking about being a good father this weekend. And after Bama, after the Bama game, taking my daughters out to do something at, at a local mall or a, a movie theater. I don't know because it, it is very, very weak. We're going to look at a couple of games this week. Uh, the first one is the premier game. Wow, welcome CBS to college football. Thank you for showing frickin' tennis the first two weeks. We've been playing games. We've been having some great matchups. So welcome, Gary and uh, Vern. 
I don't even know. Nestler. Nestler. Burn Welcome, Brad Nestler and Gary Danielson to college football in week three. So we got Alabama, USC. Tom, last time they played up there, I think you win. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Was in the stadium. Had a great time all the way up until the game actually went go, went down. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, after North Carolina knocked off Miami last week, South Carolina's first week loss may not look so bad after all. Um, mm-hmm. However, that game also saw Jake Bentley fracture his foot, and this past Sunday they had declared he was out for the season. So that's a blow for them. Um, they started a true freshman this past weekend. They did pretty good, but they were playing Cupcake U. Um, but, you know, the true freshman going up against Alabama, first time out, the first time in a true SEC game, you know, that's – not a great recipe, but sometimes, as the freshmen have been showing us in the past few years, sometimes they step up, you know. Uh, as for Bama, this will be their first SEC team and likely first opponent with a defense ranked in the top 50. Um, we'll see how they handle the road atmosphere, as it will be very upbeat in Columbia. I think the fair is in town as well, so the crowds will likely be greater than normal. <laughs> the new Chili Max Sunday. Crowd. Yeah, the new Chili Mac Sunday from Deanna's Concessions is a surefire crowd pleaser. But uh, my big question is, uh, you know, will Alabama's run game show up? What do you think about that? I mean, it's a valid question, and I, we have not run the ball like we are used to running the ball. We, we're not a make that ass quit, make that make their ass quit team quite yet. Hopefully we can get there. And, and, you know, it's crazy that we're not because with Tua, we're as lethal from the quarterback position as we have ever been. And probably at the wide receiver position too, you would think there's no way that they can put an extra guy in the box. So and They must be stopping our running game with just man on man, big man on big man, and, and they're winning the battles. I don't know. You know, the first two games, I mean, Duke was outmatched, and then we played New Mexico State. So maybe we were – Shuffling, I know we started a couple of guys in the defensive backfield that didn't start week one, and that had to be to give them a little look. So, you know, we will see. If we don't come out and put, you know, a buck fifty on them on the ground, it's going to be be concerning because we've got some tougher teams in South Carolina coming up. But to this year's game, I've heard about 2010 – till I'm tired of hearing about 2010. And, hell, I live with 2010 to in this segment – this isn't the South Carolina team that played back then, and it definitely isn't the Bama team that from 2010. You know, we were coming off the national title, but we did not know how to handle success at that time. And bottom line, Garcia is not walking through that door. Alshon Jeffrey, Marcus Lattimore, Steve Spurrier is not walking through that door. I think we win. I think we cover. I know we kind of poo-pooed on our offensive team thus far, but here's, here's the reason I think we cover. Saban has two games, two teams we play this year that play all, that also play Clemson, and one of them's A&M and one of them's South Carolina. I think he is going to try to send a message in both those games that we have – Bama has not gone anywhere. So we already know the number we got to shoot for with A&M is going to be 14, and we play them on the road. I feel like that we come out and we take care of business against South Carolina. hope you're correct, sir. All right, last – Game is Florida, Kentucky. Line is like Man, I said, hey, we were we were searching for games. Yeah, <laughs> the line line is around ten, so you know Florida is definitely expected to win. And uh, last year, Kentucky broke a thirty-one game losing streak to Florida. Should have broken it the year before, but they didn't. And uh, they did last year. And let's face it, no one puts baby in the corner, and no one, by gosh, no one beats Kentucky thirty-two years in a row. Here, here. I'm. I mean, normally you write down in black ink that Florida's going to win this thing, and I've been impressed with them this year. But I tell you, Kentucky, you know, I thought when Benny Snell left, I figured it was the equivalent to uh, Peyton Manning leaving Tennessee, which we know how that turned out. Uh, T. Martin won the won the national title the next year. I don't think Kentucky is going to win the national title in football, but they are better than I thought. I've still got I've still got Florida uh, winning. It's going to be their first road matchup in, um, you know, in the ACC this year. And playing on the road is tough, but I, I think it's a close game till about midway through the fourth. I think it's a three- to six-point game. 
I think Florida gets a, maybe a field goal, makes it six to nine, and then late touchdown and covers. Well, you are correct about Kentucky's traditional ineptitude in this game. However, since 2014, every game except one has been a one-score contest, including an overtime game and one outright win for Kentucky, as you mentioned. I predicted Kentucky would take a big step back this year and compete for the seller spot with Vandy in the East. But I also think there's not a tremendous amount of separation from spots three through seven. You know, obviously Georgia and Missouri are in the league of their own over there. Uh, so I think Florida wins as well, but uh, in a close one. All right, so you've got Florida inside the number. I've got them covering. I've got Bama covering. Of course, these are not our official picks. On the Bama game, you think we cover or squeak, squeak by? Oh, I was really hoping that line was going to be upwards of 28 to 30. 20, what is it, 25 now? Open yeah, at 24 like and a half that. or so. I'd open at 21 and bump to about 26 almost immediately. I do think huh. 21 was a tad low. Well, I'll I'll stick by my premise, you know, early on that I, I said that, you know, play Alabama and Clemson until Vegas catches up with them. And, and Clemson should have covered against A&M if they hadn't went to prevent. Oh, yeah. And we were both in agreement last week that Bama's not covering 55 in any game. Saban's just not that kind of coach. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think I'd go Bama again, you know, to keep riding that train. All right, so since we're on the uh, on gambling part, let's go to our meaningless topic of the day. Now, last week we did our bad beats. This week we get to tell the feel-good story. So, Tom, I'm going to let you go first. What is your feel-good win story on gambling? Oh, the feel-good story. I've told this story so many times. Um, I don't remember exactly what year it is. I, I, you know uh, that I'm a avid poker player, not not – a great poker player, but an avid one, which basically my mind means I play a lot. Dude, you I cashed can. at the World Series of Poker. You're good. Well, this this has a, a World Series flair to it. This was about, I want to say it's about five years or so ago. Uh, Deb and I were going out. I, I had uh, plans to play in a $1,500 World Series event. Started on a Thursday. Uh, so we flew out. Wednesday, you know, the direct flight from Birmingham, which is no longer available, which sucks, but the direct flight from Birmingham then left here in Birmingham around 10, 11 o'clock, got to Vegas, I don't know, 2 o'clock local time, whatever it was, 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you, you know, we checked into a hotel, and I said, you know, hey, let's go over to to the Rio and let me pre-register because I don't want to stand in line in you know tomorrow morning before the series to register because the line's liable to be packed. So we go over there Wednesday evening and uh, I'm in there to, to buy in and, and, and they're you know I'm sitting there looking at the little schedule and all and they had an evening tournament starting too. I think it was the first year they, they started running what they call deep stack tournaments which are just mini tournaments. They weren't WSOP events for bracelets or anything but just a little daily small buy-in event tournament so i i said heck while we're here i'll just jump in this and so it's about i don't know it probably started five or six o'clock that evening about three in the morning that wednesday morning i was chopping for first place for several thousand dollars <laughs> so i don't remember how it was so that i, I got off the plane got in the tournament and chopped for first place and, and it's three in the morning now my tournament starts at noon the next day so I cab over. I think we were staying at Aria. Might have been staying at Bellagio. One of the two. So I cab back over to our hotel. Fancy. Uh, oh, yeah. Go in there, get, you know, five or six hours of sleep, whatever it is. Wake up, trudge back over to the Rio to start my noon tournament. Uh, now, this is the WSOP event, 1500. Well, I play all day from noon to like one o'clock in the morning. And at 1 o'clock in the morning, the money bubble burst, which meant that I got into the money, uh, and we had to come back the next day. So I played all that day till 1 in the morning. So I come back Friday uh, at noon or 1 o'clock. I forget what the restart time was. And I got pretty deep. Uh, I didn't 
I didn't make as much as I wanted. I didn't make top 50, I don't think. I was outside top 50, but I still made, you know, a few thousand dollars on on that cash uh, in the WSOP. And so I, I get through with that, and I called Deb. I said, hey, what are you doing? And she likes to play poker, too. She was at Bellagio. I was like, well, I, you know, I just got knocked out. I'll come over there and, and, and check you out. So I go over to the Bellagio, and, and if you've been to the Vegas during the WSOP, it is wrapped up with poker players. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I get to the Bellagio, and I was going to play a, a 1-3 or 2-5 game. I can't remember. And each of those, each of those games had minimum... 50 players deep on the waiting list. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the whole poker room was just jam-packed, and there were 50 players deep. I, I put my name on the list. They said, hey, it's going fairly quick. So I said, okay. So I put my name on the list, and if you're familiar with the Bellagio, right across the uh, the, the little hallway from the Bellagio is the sports book, and there's a bar there, a little square bar or whatnot. So uh, even though I am uh, you know had made a little bit of money already on the trip, I'm you know, I'm I'm still a cheap ass, so I went over there to get a beer, and instead of paying for it, I stuck a hundred bucks into the video poker machine, so I wouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> so he brings me a, <laughs> a free beer, and uh, I'm gonna guess 15, 20 minutes later, I'm playing quarter uh, video poker. I hit a royal flush for uh, twelve <laughs> or fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> then I get up on the cash tables. I didn't have a losing station. Uh, I played Friday cash. Uh, I went back Saturday. We played cash games. I won on Friday and Saturday. Uh, it was the it was the best four day gambling trip I've ever. I never had a losing session. I cashed in two big tournaments. I mean, it, it was it was a good time. You know, it's. Well, I hadn't nice. duplicated that, but I keep I keep looking for it. I don't think mine is going to match yours, but the crazy thing is, is my good weekend, my good win of gambling happened this weekend. Uh, we get there, Eli and I get there around uh, 1130 Friday night and we hit the, we hit the tables and, you know, I'm up, down, up, down and on, on a table with some buddies, they don't really know what they're doing. So I'm like, I got to move. I find a $25 two deck. I get up a tad. I'm like, man, I got to go to high limit. That's where I usually make my money. So I got on a six deck, which I don't like uh hundred dollar or 50 i think it's 50 bucks because i was playing two hands and finally it was getting late it's like three in the morning i'm like man i've got to i gotta either go to bed or make some money so i started betting i put a hundred dollars on two hands and i'm like every time i win i'm adding a 25 dollar chip to it and i want to say in one six deck shoe if we played 50 hands i bet i got paid 35 of them push five and lost the rest i mean i was on fire i go to bed up 2700 so i'm i'm in good shape come down hit my first two football bets for a hundred dollars each and i was up down betting what absolutely killed me was tennessee i had 875 on the money line which would have paid 500 and when they lost, I mean, but that that's, that shows you how much I was up and how successful a weekend it was because that really didn't do a whole lot to me. So I'm up, and anytime I get up, I play four numbers on roulette. I cash in a hundred dollar bill, I get four green chips, and I put them on 10, 21, 23, 27. Michael 10 Jordan. has been 10 has been Tory's number before in in volleyball and softball. It's currently Sophie's number in volleyball, so there's 10. 21 is Sophie's birthday, 23 is Tori's birthday, and 27 is uh, another number that Tori has used for softball. I've done this for the past two or three years, I and, and I only do it when I'm up. So when I tell you how much I've lost, don't drop, don't let your mouth drop open because it's never been my money. It's always the casino's money. <laughs> and I mean, I, I've never hit it. I mean, I guess I've played it 20 times. There's $2,000 that I've given back of their money trying to, trying to chase this. But I'm, I'm like, you know, eventually it's going to hit. So I put 10, 21, 23, 27. He spends a marble. I'm about halfway paying attention. I, and then I, I feel the marble slowing down. I look, it hits 10. I go nuts. I'm like, yeah, baby, first time I've ever hit it. So I flip the dealer $25 chip to tip. And, uh, you know, he's paying me. Everybody's giving me high five at the table. Because, you know, seldom do you hit a number for that much money. At Tunica. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's... I saw a guy hit a number for $425 at Vegas. I mean, it, that was crazy. That's but, like 700 you know, normally, bucks or so, that $25? It's eight, 875 
875. So the guy, he pays me off. He said, so you going to play it again? I'm like, yeah, why would I not? So then I, t- I double my bet. I put 50 on 10, 50 on 21, 50 on 23, 50 on 27. I'm still talking Eli. He spins a marble. I'm watching Kentucky, I'm watching uh, LSU, Texas. I don't even see the marble spin. I've got my back turned, and I hear this. I hear, sir, sir. I turn around, the dealer says, it hit again. It hit 10 again. <laughs> Paid sixteen fifty. Nice. So I flipped him a hundred dollar. Yeah, I flipped him a hundred dollar chip. I paid everybody at the table twenty five dollar. Tipped every every player at the table that was active twenty five dollars. And uh, I walked away with that. That was uh, worth about twenty four hundred after my losses because you know if you hit ten, <laughs> you lose your other numbers. But I took I took five or four purple chips with me on two spins. That was uh, that's my best win. That was uh, it that's was fun. awesome. Yeah, that's yep. awesome. All right, we're running as always. We're running short on time. We've got and we got to cover Instagram Babe of the Day. You're really going to like this one. But let's get to the uh, recap and the betting picks. We're going to do this quickly. Uh, I had luckily uh, Tom made me change to LSU, and I took LSU minus five. I took New Mexico State plus fifty four and a half. Both hit, so I went two and zero. I'm four and zero in the year. Tom took Tennessee, which should have pushed. But because uh, they were at three when we when we recorded, but they lost, and he had Missouri at fourteen. Great bet on that one, bud. That was a uh, no doubter the whole time. So he's one and one. So on the year we are four, five. We are five and three. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, we we, we got uh, <clears throat> we got hosed on the Tennessee one. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Who? Uh, what yeah. do you got on uh, this coming week games? I went with. Houston plus the nine over Washington State. Houston's only loss came against a playoff contending Oklahoma, and they were somewhat competitive in that opener. Last week, they jumped on an outman Prairie View 34-3 before coasting in. Washington State falls into the category that I mentioned time and time again here that you don't know if they're good or not because they've only been playing cupcakes. Mm. They've been winning big, but... But their first test is going to be on the road here at Houston. And I like Houston like I like my women. Very cougary. <laughs> oh, that must have been in your notes. No way you came up with that off the top of your head. Oh, that was the top of the temple one right there, buddy. <laughs> All right, game number two, what you got? Uh, huh. Wait a minute. Actually, uh, I just noticed something. Hmm, this is interesting. Never mind. Uh, I'm going to play against West Virginia until they can break 75 yards rushing in a game. Last week, (laughs) who did they play? Well, the first week when I'd mentioned that I was playing Missouri against them last week, first week West Virginia had put up uh, something like 50 yards rushing. Last week they had negative seven at the half against Missouri and ended up with 30 yards total. So uh, this week North Carolina State is a a six-and-a-half-point road favorite over West Virginia. Give me the Wolfpack. Partly because I'm also just, in the wolf pack with the Vegas guys, you know. <laughs> wolf pack of one. <laughs> All right, so you're on the record of Houston plus nine and NC State minus six and a half. We will see how that goes. I'm taking Mississippi State minus eight. I guess I'm all in on the Bulldogs after trashing them the first few podcasts. I'm impressed by the quarterback. Now, I know he's a little dinged up, but I, I feel like he, the the TV, SEC Network had him day to day. But aren't we all two cents mm. to Keith Olbermann there? But I, I think he plays. And they K-State, man, they're, they're big 12. Mississippi State beat them easily last year. So I'm rolling with the Bulldogs at minus eight. And this next bet's going to show you that, dude, there's just no good games I like out there. Uh, the only reason I took this over is because it's so high. And one thing we learned through years of betting – Find an over-under that looks like there's no way to go over and bet the over, and then find an over-under that looks like there's no way it will stay under and bet the under. I'm going with Arizona and Texas Tech. Uh, over-under is 74 and a half. I've got that going over. I've got Arizona winning 42 to 40. Wow, Easily 42 to 40. Knocking out 74 and a half. Exactly. Nice. We're going to have some missed extra points there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, oh, man, we're right on time, bro. 
Instagram babe of the day. We are going to take a little break from our normal Instagram babe of the day. We're actually going to go with a football player. This is a kicker from whoa, Iowa whoa, whoa, State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say football player? Is this a chick kicker? Yes. It is It is not a chick kicker. <laughs> he is a truly a dude. But here's why we're taking number 96. Number one in your hearts, number 96 on his jersey from Iowa State. His name is Connor, and his last name is Ass Alley. It's pronounced <laughs> just like it's spelled. Ass Alley. Now, I'm sure, you know, Gober and I are watching them game, uh, week one, and, I, and we're like, Ass Alley. And we're like, oh, Daryl's like, I wonder how you pronounce it. I'm like, dude, you know, growing up, their parents are like, oh, it's not Ass Alley, it's Assley. No, dude, your name is Ass Alley. It says it right <laughs> on the back of your jersey. So, <laughs> Connor Ass Alley is he is a redshirt junior. His high school was Central. I mean, there's a lot of Centrals. We need to we need to uh, to narrow that down. He's from Naperville, Illinois. He is six foot one ninety five. So as we all know from previous podcasts, he would not be a prototypical major league baseball player. He would not look the part. But he his his last name plays the part though. Connor Ass Alley. <laughs> now let's give him a follow on Instagram, guys. His Instagram is Connor C O N N O R underscore Ass Alley A S S A L L E Y. Dude, we're supposed to be professional here. I'm just pronouncing the guy's last name, and you're over there giggling like a schoolgirl. Yes, I am. Oh, I'm not sure I have a response for this this week's IG model, A-I-E Connor Ass Alley. Well, I'm not even going to ask you your thoughts in relation to Deb and him. Even I would select Deb over Connor Ass Alley, so... That's uh that's the Instagram babe of the day, Connor Ass Alley, Iowa State, number ninety six. Good luck, Connor. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that wraps us up for this week. Remember, if you're traveling from Kent State, which, if I'm not mistaken, that's where Coach Saban went at undergrad and played defensive back. But I digress. If you're traveling from Kent State to Auburn this weekend because they do play Kent State, you will need to go south till you smell it, and then west till you step in it. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>